Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by listening in, and we're grateful for you. Um, Before we begin, I just want to encourage you to not let this podcast replace the local church in your life. God has designed it so that we are to join a local church and serve that body of believers and be shepherded by the pastor of that church. And that's something no podcast can give you. And so if you're not involved in a local church, let me encourage you to find one as soon as possible. Enjoy our podcast. Open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, We at Mount Zion have been in a sermon series on the life of Elijah. I mean, in God's providence, I've had this sermon planned for today for months now. You know, I plan sermons, you know, months out. Um, We come to a part in Elijah's story that talks about fear. And so I felt I was going to preach this sermon today, despite everything going on. Um, as of, I'll, I'll do this today. I'm actually going to wait and pick Elijah back up once we're back meeting together. Until then, I'm going to preach just sermons to speak pastorally during this time of, of crisis in the nation, in the world. Um, but we are able to continue Elijah today. So, 1 Kings 18. <coughs> we are in perilous times. Most of us have never seen anything like this. I don't think we've had something like this in the United States since 9-11, which was now 19 years ago. Um, That makes you feel old if you think about the fact that 9-11 was 19 years ago. Um, But it was. um, Who knew that, that this year we would be having church online for a few weeks? It's a weird experience, I know, for, for all of us. Um, I... Um, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a millennial, so I'm used to doing this sort of thing online, but, but I know for a lot of you, this is odd, and this doesn't fit with anything you've ever thought of with church. Um, I praise the Lord that we have technology, that we can do things like this, um, just because of the fact, uh, I mentioned in a video I put out earlier this week, just telling what was going on, in 1918, the Spanish flu hit the United States, people were dying 30 or 40 a day, it was bad. Um, and um, churches had to close their doors for a little bit like we are now. They actually closed for the entire month of October. Um, The government mandated that they did as well as businesses and everything else. Um, And during that time, they didn't have Facebook Live to be able to do a sermon like this. Um, And so we're we're blessed with that in this this time. Um, Coronavirus, COVID-19 is active. In the world and many people are fearful of it Um, there is hysteria like we have never seen and it's growing rapidly Um, when when you add in um, already having anxiety about a lot of things but you add in um, things constantly being shared on Facebook and social media regarding the the virus as well as 24-hour news um, there's no shortage of just freaking us out about this you go to the grocery store and Shelves are empty. Um, People are fighting over toilet paper. Um, New cases are popping up every day. We have a case now in Tiff County, um, and we want to pray for those people. Um, We have to be very careful going out to the grocery store for fear that we're going to get infected. Um, While most people do recover from this, 
Um, not, not all do, and we have to be fearful that that's going to happen. Um, and, and on top of that, you might get it and, and have it for 14 days and not even know it. So there's no shortage of things that can freak us out about this and, and cause us to worry and be fearful. On top of that, it's affecting finances. Many people aren't able to work because their work is closed. Uh, the stock market is not doing well, if you've paid attention to it. The stock market is um, slowly decreasing. Um, we have to stay in our house mostly. For an introvert like me, that's fine. Give me a stack of books and a movie, I'm, I'm good. But for a lot of you, it's making you go stir crazy. Um, if you have kids, you're spending a lot more time with them being quarantined with them, which in a lot of ways is a good thing, but at the same time, um, if you've seen jokes going around where, where parents are um, jokingly saying of their teacher, when I said last month that you don't know my kid, I don't know my kid, and they're learning that in this time. Um, we are in a state of fear, fear of the future, fear of sickness, fear of financial provision not coming through, fear for our family and friends, just fear. And like I said, by God's providence, we come to a story in Elijah about fear. Um, so this is not an encounter with Elijah that where Elijah fears. It is a encounter where um, he talks to somebody who is fearful. <clears throat> so I'm going to read 1 Kings 18, verses 1 through 16. After many days... The word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. <coughs> and Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives... There is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say, he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you away from here. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, 
that I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave, fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell the Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. <coughs> so it's been a while since we've been here. It's been a while since we've been in 1 Kings. Um, we, we didn't have church last week, and then Scotty preached the week before. So let me kind of catch you up, just to remind you. Um, Elijah comes to Ahab. He says, we're not going to, it's not going to rain here. It's not going to rain on the land, by my word. And... It doesn't rain for three years. All of chapter 17 documented those three years. And um, we see in verse 1 of chapter 18, the third year is when this is. So this is three years it hasn't rained in the land. <coughs> and remember, Baal is the god of the, of the people. Baal is the god that, that Ahab and all of his people follow. Baal is a rain god. Baal is a rain god, and when it doesn't rain for three years, that's really bad press for the rain god. There's been three years, no rain on the land, so no crops either. Now, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. The word of the Lord comes to him. This has been the case with chapter 17 as well. If you notice verse 2, the word of the Lord came to him, and then verse 8 of chapter 17, the word of the Lord came to him. There's always these incidences where the word of the Lord comes to Elijah, and he then goes and does what the Lord says. So the word of the Lord comes to Ahab, to Elijah. Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will bring rain upon the earth. Go show yourself to Ahab, and I'm going to make it rain again. It's been three years since it rained. Go show yourself, and I will make it rain. So Elijah obeys. God's going to end the drought. Next time we're in 1 Kings, which if you weren't here at the beginning, I said that um, after this week, if we, as, as long as we have to keep doing this online, um, I'm going to preach different sermons not connected to 1 Kings, uh, but just speaking pastorally to you in this um, crisis. Um, we'll pick 1 Kings up again when we're actually meeting, when I can see all of you out here in the crowd. Um, that day will come. So the next passage is going to be the showdown with the prophets of Baal, if you're familiar with that story. Um, God's going to show up and, and he's going to cause it to rain after the prophets of Baal are put to an end. <coughs> the famine in the land was severe. They couldn't import food from all over the world. People are scraping by on whatever they can find. The crops are gone. It hasn't rained in three years. So Elijah goes and finds Obadiah, and he tells Obadiah, actually, let me back up there. Ahab, so God spoke to Elijah, and then cuts to another scene. Ahab calls Obadiah. You remember Ahab? He's the king of Samaria. He's the worst king there has been. He's just a downright wicked guy. <clears throat> he hates Elijah. Elijah is the one holding back the rain. 
He wants to kill Elijah. So he calls Obadiah. Obadiah here, it's probably the Obadiah who wrote the book of Obadiah, the shortest book in the Old Testament. Um, probably that guy. Obadiah and Elijah have very different ministries. Um, Obadiah is there in the king's court. He's a prophet there. Elijah is out in the wilderness, and he doesn't get to um, be there. Um, very different ministries. Elijah is opposing the king. Obadiah is there in the king's court, kind of serving the king, but being a prophet at the same time. God puts people in different places like that. God has ministers in strategic locations. Some are like Elijah. Some are like Obadiah. You think of people in the scriptures that were like Obadiah. You have Joseph. Joseph was in Egypt. He um, was there in Egypt and he um, served Pharaoh, but he did it for God. You think of Daniel. Daniel was faithful to God in the midst of the Babylonian culture that had nothing to do with God. And he was to be faithful. Think of Esther. Esther was um, in, in exile away from her people and she was to serve God faithfully among those people. God sometimes puts people in locations like this. God places all of us in strategic locations for the preaching of the gospel. So what about when you're quarantined in your house? What do you do then? Parents, this is a great time for you to preach the gospel to your children. You've got more time with your kids right now than you're going to have when they're back in school. Don't spend this entire quarantine scrolling on Facebook because that's going to be your temptation to just spend hours and hours and hours passing the time just scrolling on Facebook and sharing a lot of stuff you don't need to share. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your quarantine. Use this time to talk to your kids about Jesus and to help them grow in Jesus. Think of creative ways you can focus your family around who Jesus is and what he has done. Maybe you go on Right Now Media and you um, do studies with your kids and do studies with your spouse. If you're single or, or you live alone, do studies by yourself. Um, you're, you're digging into God's word. You're, you're learning from it. Maybe you um, focus on our Bible reading plan. We are reading as a church five chapters a week in the New Testament. We're working our way through the New Testament. Um, this is a great time to catch up on that if you are behind. We've done Luke and we've done Acts. We're in the middle of James right now. We're only three books into the New Testament. It's not in order of how the New Testament is written, um, but, 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 but spend, a, spend time every day in the Bible. Read it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Learn from it. Pray from it. Spend this time digging into the Word. Or maybe you do what, what we call family worship. If you don't know, if you don't know what family worship is, uh, basically sit down with your family, open up the Bible, read a passage, and pray. You don't have to prepare a Bible study. You don't have to be a gifted speaker. You, you just, Adrian and I are doing it right now, reading the Gospel of John to our son, who's not born yet. He's still in the womb. We're reading the Gospel of John to our son, and then we're spending time praying. We read a chapter every single time. Do that. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. Pick one thing and pray for it. I usually ask Adrian, what's something we can pray for you and something we can pray for somebody else? 
Spend time doing that. This is a great time to do that. You got all the time in the world. Don't get to the end of this quarantine and say, you know, I just still don't have time to read my Bible. You do. You do. When we return to the real world, God has us where we are for his purposes, whether that's your neighborhood, your job, um, wherever you go on a day-to-day basis. Obadiah is in a strategic location here with, a lot, with, with Ahab in order to serve him there. Uh, Obadiah was able to rescue a hundred prophets and hide them out in a cave. Elijah would have never been able to do that. There's some people you're able to reach with the gospel that I can't reach. And there's some people I get to reach with the gospel that you would never be able to reach. God has all of us in strategic locations for that purpose. Ahab comes to Obadiah and he says, go out and look for grass for the horses. Look for them, for for grass, for the horses. Why the horses? Why not go look for food for the people? Why not that? Well, you think of the contrast of Ahab and Obadiah here. Ahab is all concerned about the, the, the horses. Obadiah is all concerned about the prophets. He saved the 100 prophets Ahab wants to save the horses. Why? Well, what are horses used for? Military. In this time, military. Ahab is thinking all about himself. If he has a strong military, he can protect himself. He's got to have an army so he can preserve his life. So they split up. Ahab goes one way. Obadiah goes the other way. Obadiah goes and he encounters Elijah. Obadiah runs up to Elijah. Whatever way he's going, God directed him to Elijah. He walks up to him. He falls on his face. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Elijah. When he falls on his face before Elijah, it's not like in Revelation where John falls before the angel and the angel says, get up, stop worshiping me. That's not what's going on here. Uh, Obadiah is out here. He's looking for grass, and Elijah's the prophet of the Lord. Maybe he knows where the grass is. Elijah's a legend. Most of the area hated him, but Obadiah and those 100 prophets knew who he was and what he could do. It's something like if, if a famous preacher, let's say Billy Graham, was still alive, and I was in, you know, uh, I was at the Mel Baptist Association. And, you know, all the pastors from the association were there for lunch, and Billy Graham walked in the door. It would be something like that. We'd be like, wow, because we know the weight of who this person is. Obadiah might be thinking, I've hit the gold mine. Elijah will know where the grass is. But then Elijah drops the bomb. What's he say? He says, verse 8, Go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Go tell Ahab, I'm here. That's what he says. He calls, look at, look at verse 8. Um, actually, verse 7 and 8. Obadiah says, is it you, my Lord, Elijah? And, and then notice that word, Lord, again. Elijah says, go tell your Lord, Elijah's here. Elijah is the Lord of the prophets, uh, kind of the, the master of the prophets. Ahab is the lord of the government that, that Obadiah has to submit to. 
And we see Obadiah's fear. Obadiah is very fearful. Obadiah is overcome by fear. He, he responds very similar. If you remember the widow, when she, um, when, when she had her son die, um, uh, Obadiah responds a lot the same way. Uh, look at verse 9. <coughs> How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? Look back at chapter 17, verse 18. She said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to, to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. He's responding very similar to, um, to, to the widow. Um, Obadiah is fearful. His fear grows, and he comes up with a really crazy idea of how that fear is going to destroy him. He, he says, you know, I know what has happened to people who have given false reports uh, of you before. I've seen it. He was told you were in Bethlehem. He, Ahab was told you were in Bethlehem. He went down to kill you and you weren't there. So he killed the first guy he saw in anger. He, he was told you were in Gaza. So he went down to Gaza. He didn't find you. So he killed the first guy he saw in anger. Uh, he, he went down to Damascus. He, found, he didn't find you there. So he killed the first guy he saw. So if I go tell him that you're here and he comes and doesn't find you, who's going to be the one guy with him? Me. That's what Obadiah is thinking. I, I can't go tell him you're here. While I'm gone, you'll fly away. That's what he says. He, he, he says, verse 12, As soon as I've gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you away. You'll fly out of here. You'll get wings and fly away. It's, it's, uh, and then I'll come back here with Ahab and he'll chop my head off. It's funny how fear makes us do that, isn't it? Our fear starts small. Pretty soon we've come up with an impossible scenario that would probably never happen, but we convince ourselves it would. As a king of anxiety attacks, I can tell you that's, that, that happens to me all the time. I come up with crazy scenarios in, in the back of my mind, and it wrecks me. You know, when I was in seminary, um, I worked at the uh, mail room on campus. And one time, one, one day I was putting mail through, you know, metering it out and sending it out, packages and, and envelopes. And I started to get this bad stomachache. And um, it, it was kind of here in my belly button. And it was also kind of here on my side. And I had seen a TV show where, where a guy had pain in his side right here. And it was his appendix. And I Googled my symptoms, which, of course, is never a good thing to do. Um, but I was young and naive, even though most of us have probably done it in the last month regarding this coronavirus. Um, so I, I, I Google my symptoms, and of course, yeah, you're, it says your appendix is ruptured. You're going to die pretty soon. Um, I go to the clinic on campus. They let me leave work. And the doctor says, okay, I want you to jump. He says, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to do that if it was your appendix. It turned out it was something really small, um, and, and, and it, was, it was just a stomachache. I mean, it was nothing bad. Um, but our fear tends to, tends to take us to really crazy scenarios, doesn't it? Think about our fear of, of COVID-19, the coronavirus. Listen, we should absolutely be responsible around this. 
We should wash our hands. We should stay home as much as possible. We should avoid human contact right now to, to help that um, die away and, and help the, as they've been saying, to flatten the curve. Um, but if you allow your fears of COVID to dominate your mind, it will take you horrible places. You'll start to fear that you're going to get it, which should be a fear right now, so that you act responsibly. But that fear will end up at a place where, where you kill your entire family from having it, but you survive, you get over it, and you're left alone with no money, no car, and no house, all because someone coughed on you at some point. You, you'll take your mind to a crazy scenario. A crazy place where, where you don't have any idea how you got there, but you're worried sick over something that probably won't happen. And eventually, you will make yourself sick fearing getting sick. You just will. You won't come down with coronavirus. You'll just come down with a really bad sickness that will put you in bed, bedridden because you're so freaked out and worried. Fear lives and lies. It often tells us things that aren't true. It gives you crazy scenarios that will never happen. We're often so fearful because we are believing a lie. We're often fearful of the future because we don't know what it holds. And if we dwell on those lies and believe them, we will, we will never know where our fears are going to take us. Obadiah has already figured out his fate. Elijah's going to fly away, and he's going to bring Ahab back, and Elijah's not going to be there, and Ahab's going to kill him. That's what he thinks. Even though that's not what's going to happen. Elijah isn't out to get Obadiah killed. He's, he's there for a reason. But in fear, Obadiah can't see that. Obadiah can't see that that's what's going to that, that Elijah has a purpose for being there. In your fear, Elijah is there because God told him to be there. In your fear, sometimes you forget God. Sometimes I forget God. When I'm worried, sick, and having an anxiety attack, I've taken my eyes off God. Obadiah has every reason to know God will take care of him. Why? Because he led a rescue project of a hundred prophets right out from under Ahab and Jezebel's nose, and they had no idea of it. When we fear, when we get trapped in fear and anxiety, we forget all the things God has done for us in the past. We just focus on the current moment. We, we focus on the fear of the current circumstances. In that moment, God seems silent. In your fear, you often can't see the truth. Even though it makes complete sense to the world outside, you, you have been so blinded by the lies of your fears that you can't see it. Are you burdened by fear? Are, there, are, are those fears gripping your life? They feel like chains holding you down. So sometimes all you can do is get in the fetal position and hope they go away. I've been there. Are you there? Are you there concerning this virus? Are you there concerning something else in life? Are you there? Well, what do you do in the midst of that? What do you do? Look at verse 15 and 16. Elijah said, in response to Obadiah's fear, 
As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Elijah does not smack Obadiah in the face and say, snap out of it. He does not tell him, you know, toughen up, you baby. No, he just reassures him. He just gives him a promise. Fear lies to us. Anxiety lies to us. If we want to overcome fear, we must replace those lies with truth. Elijah promises Obadiah that he will be here when he brings Ahab back. More than that, what does he say? Verse 15, as the Lord lives, I'll be here. Does the Lord live? Yes, forever. He lives forever. He's risen from the dead forever. The Lord lives. Our fears cannot square against the risen Lord. Jesus faced something like fear, like, like our fears. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane? He's there praying, so stressed out and fearful that he's sweating drops of blood, so facing that fear dead on. He says, Lord, if it's possible, would you take this cup from me so I don't have to drink it? And then he realizes, no, I have to drink it. So he downs the whole thing. He walks out. He gets arrested. He gets beaten. He carries the cross up the hill all the way to the top. He gets nailed to it. He faces those fears dead on. What was he scared of? What was he fearful of? Well, what was going to happen on the cross was that he was going to experience the punishment for sin, that, that primarily being um, the wrath of God being poured out on him and um, God turning his back on him. He was going to be separated from God. Because of our sin, when we die, we will go to hell Hell is separation from God. God's wrath is there, but, but the rest of him is not there. He's there. His wrath is there. Jesus experienced on the cross the worst possible thing that could happen to us. He faced it dead on. The worst possible thing that could happen to us is that we would be separated from God for eternity. And Jesus bore that. He took that. And then he overcame that fear by leaving it in the grave. He rose from the dead. Now, if you know him, if you receive him, if you follow him, you can be saved from your sins and have the strength to make it through your fears. As the Lord lives, your fears will not destroy you. The worst thing that could possibly happen to you has been dealt with by the Son of God. God is faithful. He stays true to his word. The fears you face must be confronted with his word. My favorite chapter of the Bible, Romans chapter 8, closes out saying, I am sure of this. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I would add to that, uh, no, no um, coronavirus, no uh, stock market plummeting, no quarantine, no thing that is going on in the world right now can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing, nothing, 
Because of the cross and because the Lord lives, he's risen from the dead. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. The coronavirus can't overcome God. If the stock market plummets, that doesn't kick God off his throne. The fact that you're stir crazy in your house right now because you can't go out, that doesn't overcome God. He is sovereign and he reigns forever. He's risen from the dead. So, so n- none of those things can separate you from him forever. So we, we, we must strive to not fear those things that can only destroy the body. Is there a reason to fear coronavirus? Sure, yeah, there is. It can destroy our body. But remember what Jesus said. We, we do not fear that which cannot, we, we do not fear that which can only destroy the body. We fear that that can destroy both soul and body in hell. You have to replace your fear with fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is not the same thing as being fearful of a ghost. You know, the, the Lord's not hiding behind a bush waiting to jump out. Boo! Like, the, that, that's not what it is. You fear the Lord the same way you fear a hot stove. You know, when I'm cooking, I'm fearful of that stove. Um, you know, I'm not standing there like, Ugh. No, I, I'm, I'm fearful in that I understand that if I take my hand and put it on that stove, it's going to be bad for me. So I don't do it. I respect it. I, I, I keep my distance from it. I, I understand the power of that stove, and I don't abuse that power. That's what fear of the Lord is. Fear of the Lord is I recognize who he is, and I submit to him accordingly. That will play out differently depending on what we're talking about. Um, as it relates to fear, fear of the Lord is trusting him. Trusting that he is stronger than our fears. He will be faithful to us. He will protect us. He will provide for us. He will save us. Even if the stock market crashes, he's still faithful. Even if we lose our job, he's still faithful. Even if we get coronavirus and don't recover from it and die, he's still faithful. Because all of that cannot destroy our soul in hell. Only God can do that. And if we know Jesus, if we've received him, that will never happen to us, ever. The worst thing that could possibly happen to you is being separated from God in hell forever. And the risen Jesus, the risen Lord has secured that that will never happen to you. So remember the process of confronting your fears. You understand the lies that your fears are telling you. You counter them with the, with the promises God made in his word, and you trust the risen Lord. He's risen. We can trust him. Perhaps you're familiar with Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We, we can trust him. That's what Obadiah does. Look at verse 16. <coughs> Elijah tells Obadiah, I'm going to be here. Go get Ahab and bring him back. And what, what happens? Verse 16. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. 
Elijah has obeyed the Lord. We see that in verse 2. He went to Ahab. He went out there to find him. And then in verse 16, he, 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 he has Obadiah. He has Obadiah bring Ahab. Obadiah listens to Elijah the same way Elijah did the Lord. Each time the word of the Lord comes to Elijah, Elijah goes and does what he says. In the same way, verse 16, Obadiah went and did what he said. Ahab has disappeared. I'm sorry. Ahab has appeared as someone to be feared. He's powerful. He kills people. He has authority to do that, and no one's going no one's gonna care if he if he executes that power. But Elijah is about to show us that he really is no one to be feared. He can't he he doesn't hold authority on the earth. And next time we're in First Kings, we'll see that. We will see the showdown of the prophets of Baal. Elijah versus the prophets. They're going to have a showdown. Um, we're going to hit that story next time we're meeting together. Um, whenever that is. I hope it's soon, um, but, but, it, but it may be farther out. We'll, we'll see how the Lord directs things with this virus and how fast it gets cleaned up. Um, so, it's going to be a while before you see what happens next. But we're in a great time of fear. The more you spend time watching the news, you'll probably be more fearful than, than you are right now. The more time you spend on social media, the more fearful you're probably going to be. Um, it's possible one of us may get the coronavirus if it keeps growing as it is. It's also possible that none of us will get it. We don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty about it. How long is it going to go on? How long are we going to be out of work? Will it get worse? Will it improve? Will the stock market crash? Will we, will we be able to pay our bills? We, we don't know. We, we don't know. But we will make it. And our family will make it. And the church will make it. Why? Because the Lord is risen. Because he's risen. That's our hope. Our hope is in something outside of ourself and outside of the coronavirus. It, it, it's in the risen Lord. As the Lord lives, we will not be destroyed in hell by anyone. There's an, there's an old hymn called A Mighty Fortress in Our God. Uh, a, a Mighty Fortress is Our God, um, written by Martin Luther, I think. I could be wrong on that. Um, the, the, the song says, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And that's our hope. Our body may get killed, but his kingdom is forever, and we will live in it. Do you have that hope today? Do you know the risen Lord? Is the God of your life one who is risen, or is he just some dead fairy tale? Wouldn't you like to know a God who is risen, one who actually plays a part in your life? Have you received him? Do you know him? Today is a chance for you to come meet him. If you don't know him, I want to introduce you to him. Obviously, we can't have you come down front here at church, so simply send the church or me a message on Facebook, and I'll chat with you. You can do that privately. Nobody's going to know. We're not going to hold you up in front of the church and say, look at this guy. You can do this privately, and we can talk. 
pray with me, and then I'm going to give you some discussion questions for you to talk about with your family from what we've talked about, and then I'm going to give you a few really important announcements. Let's pray. Father, we are in a fearful time. Lord, we have to be fearful even going to the grocery store of what's going to happen to us. Lord, I pray that we will trust the sovereign, risen Lord. He cares for us. You, you care for us. You know us, and you take care of us. And we will not die before it's our time. When our time comes, there's nothing we can do to stop that. But Lord, if that time is not here yet, we are safe in your arms. Lord, help us to trust you and be with us in the coming days, the coming weeks, as we face this threat worldwide. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name you will wipe away this virus quickly. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you will keep us all safe from it. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that soon and very soon we will get to go back to normal life. We will get to meet together as a church again and get to see each other. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name we will get to gather to worship on Easter, which is three Sundays away. Oh, Lord, would you give us that opportunity to gather and worship the risen Lord, the one who has triumphed over death. Will you be with scientists and doctors as they try to come up with a, with a cure for this? Will you be with government leaders as they are going to have to make hard decisions, continue to make hard decisions, give them wisdom? God, for any who are listening to this who are fearful, would you help them fight their fear with your word? For your word is good. And risen Jesus, would you take away our fears and help us to trust in you and fear you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read you some discussion questions. I'm also going to post them in the comments of this as soon as we're done broadcasting. Um, spend some time with your family discussing these. I've got five of them, one of them specifically for kids, the other four um, kids can answer, um, but, but, but they're kind of deeper. You'll probably want to discuss them um, as adults as well. Um, question number one, this is for the kids. Why can we trust God when we're scared? Question number two, do you have any fears related to the coronavirus that are, that are inside of you that maybe you haven't expressed? Number three, what would you say your three biggest fears in life are? Number four, how does the word of God speak to encounter those fears? And number five, what can you do today to better fear the risen Lord rather than whatever it is you fear? Those are your five discussion questions. I'm going to post them in the comments so that you can have them in written form. Spend some time when this broadcast is over discussing those with your family. Talk about those over lunch. Talk about those as you're, as you're cooped up in the house together. Um, 